Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we are going to talk to Taylor Flannery, Muskie Guaranteed Guide Service. The last time we talked to Taylor was episode 160, late August of last year. So it's been a little over a year, and he's got an entire year of fishing under his belt. So he's been a full-time guide. When we talked to him last time, he was just doing it part-time. He still had a regular job. He ditched the regular job, jumped headfirst into muskie guiding, and he just completed his first season, or is he in the process of completing his first season? Obviously, as we move now to October, you know, time is winding down for muskie seasons for anglers in northern Wisconsin. Many people will still be fishing all over the place, but... Northern Wisconsin anglers are, uh, time is potentially running short. I mean, technically you have till the end of December to catch them with a stipulation that you can't target them when the ice is on and who knows when that's going to be. It's, uh, been an odd fall so far. I'd say it's above average temperatures, but I guess above average from like the early 2000s, it's probably normal compared to the rest of the, <laughs> the years lately. seems like we have this, uh, you know, I will call it odd Indian September, I guess, or however you want to call that, where the temperatures are, are warm often. So, and we're, we're dealing with that now, right now, as we record this podcast, it's a Sunday night and it's 80 degrees out and it's looking to be 80 for the next handful of days before we see a weather change. And hopefully that weather change brings good things. Cause for me, when the temperatures in early September, when they were dropping, like they should be dropping, uh, things were pretty good. Fishing was good. Fishing was normal. And now it seems as though it's changed a little bit. So um, hopefully the fishing uh, gets back to being good. It'll, it'll change up a little bit. I know we close up our camper here pretty soon. So I'll have to shift my focus away from northern Wisconsin waters to other places. But I'm, I'll find a place to fish somewhere. It's just a, just a matter of where. This week I am going to be without a co-host brad hoppy with musky mayhem tackle he's off filming for mayhem's 10,000 casts so i have to this was kind of an odd deal i had to quick scramble together to get this podcast out for this week because we were at a dealer show we're looking at adding new gear for next season or even this late this season depending on when it comes in so that's where we were and in order to get a podcast out for this wednesday i had to kind of jump in and be like brad this is the day we're going to do it if it works for you great if it doesn't work for you I'll catch you next week. So hopefully Brad returns next week. But for this week, you're going to have to deal with just me and Taylor. And we're going to talk about how his first season went. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, what this warmer weather, how the fishing has been for the warmer weather, where the fish are currently hiding hiding out, what he thinks the fish are going to be doing when we have a weather change coming in the next handful of days. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about turnover, but not a ton about it. And then we'll finish with five questions. So that's kind of what's on tap for this week with Backlash Podcast. And if you are still out chasing muskies and you haven't had enough gear or you broke something or need something or you're missing out on the hottest bait, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. We have gotten tons of rubber baits and tons of suix, tons of grandmas, that kind of stuff where we have your fall products covered if you're looking for bulldogs medusas poseidons swimming dogs that stuff is all in very good shape and we've added a few new colors in suix recently we added a few new colors in joe booker outdoors recently and we didn't have a very good selection of jointed 
eight inch depth raters and we've we're changing that now we've we've gotten some more in and i think we have a, an, another color or two coming yet so if you're looking for joe booker outdoors products check us out if you're looking for grandma lures whether it be seven and a half inch minnows nine inch minnows 13 inch minnows check our, out our selection there we have you covered with many exclusive color patterns that are you can only find here in an industry leading color selection i think we have i don't know 35 colors to choose from roughly like that so that's what's going on there and if you're still looking if you're still out throwing blades and you need to get the latest and greatest check out muskymayhemtackle.com they are the originators of the big bladed flashaboo bucktails if brad was here he could tell you about everything that they have to offer but he's not so i'll keep it short check out muskymayhemtackle.com for all your big bladed flashaboo needs I think that's about all I have to say for this intro. I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast. We very much appreciate all eight of you. I think it might be 12 now. I think we appreciate all 12 of you. So thank you very much for your support. Thank you very much for your support of both Team Rhino Outdoors and Muskie Mayhem Tackle this season. For without you, we are still just me and Brad hanging out with a guest talking about muskies. But it's all of you that make it really go around. So without, without further ado, I'm going to dial up our conversation I just had with Taylor Flannery, Muskie Guaranteed Guide Service. All right, our guest this week is Taylor Flannery with Muskie Guaranteed Guide Service. And Taylor guides up in the Oneida County area mostly, right? I'm, I'm thinking, what do you go up to Vilas once in a while, Taylor? Yeah, I usually start the year out uh, up in Vilas County and then work my way down into Oneida and uh, like the northern part of Lane Lane as the season gets later on. So before we get too far along, why don't we uh, do this? If somebody's looking to get in touch with you to learn more information about your guide service, book a trip with you, how do they go about doing that? Uh, you can get a hold of me on my cell phone. It's 715-490-5088. Um, on Facebook is Muskie Guarantee Guide Service. And I also have a website, which I don't get on as much as I should, but that's www.muskieguaranteeguideservice.com. All right. So, Taylor, you just got done with your first season of guiding up in uh, full-time guiding. I know you've been doing some guiding last year and whatever, but this year was your first full season. Was it everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? Like, how did your first season go? Absolutely. It was great. We caught an awful lot of fish. We had an awful lot of fun. Um, spending every single day on the water. Obviously, you can uh, pretty pretty much dial in what the bite's doing, where the fish are at on a day-to-day basis. It kind of takes out, you know, eliminates the uh, four days of work and then coming out and trying to figure out the puzzle again. So it was definitely easier as far as staying on the fish. Um, and then, I mean, there was a lot of struggles too, you know, with, uh, you get a lot of, you know, first time fishermen as clients and trying basically you have to have to teach them the ins and outs and all that in a few hours, which isn't always the easiest thing, but, um, lots of, lots of mishaps, lots of fish lost, lots of backlashes. Um, but we got through it and it was an awesome year all around and looking forward to, uh, what this fall is going to bring. That's for sure. So how late do you continue to guide into the fall? Is, uh, do you have, are you continuing to book trips all the way into like November? When when we get to November-ish up there by you, I'm assuming it gets kind of spotty as far as, it's a little hit and miss as far as what you can do in November. Some years you can probably go quite a while, but it seems like lately this, this fall is playing out just like we've, like it has been 
you know, the last handful of seasons. September is warmer than normal. October is going to start out kind of warm. Then October gets kind of cold. And although I, I looked at the long range forecast, it doesn't look like the bottom drops out quite yet. I mean, it does for the weekend, but and we'll talk about that. But it's, it's going to kind of come back up, stabilize more normal weather. But I know like the last few Octobers, we get that like cold blast and it's almost like it's going to shut your season down early, but then November kind of warms up. So what's your, what's your game plan there? How late are you booking? How long, how long are you, can people still get out and fish with you? Well, right now I am booked all the way through until October 24th. Um, that is that is the last date that I actually scheduled just because I wasn't sure what we'd have for ice up or how things would go that way. But um, if we get into the later part of October and we still have warmer temps, then I will put out something to book, you know, a couple of days into October, November, you know, end of the season kind of stuff. But as of right now, the 24th was a, a date that I figured was a good spot to stop for now. Do you do any like late season uh, trolling up there or are you strictly targeting them with, uh, you know, artificial lures and live bait? Uh, no, I, I do not do much trolling. Um, that's just not for me. I always said the day that I couldn't catch one casting was the day that I would uh, take up trolling and I never did that. So I, I do run live bait uh, usually from like mid-September through until I finish up my season but I'm, I'm always casting or uh, a good pair with, with a sucker is like a bondy bait over the side of the boat. Once you get into later, later October and then you're kind of ripping, ripping off the, the deep breaks and whatnot. Let's, let's talk about your first season guiding just a little bit. I don't want to get into it too much. What would, what would you say like was the biggest surprise of, of the season? Like something you totally didn't expect. Well, kind of put me on the spot with that one. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I I kind of I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, just with doing it part time, you know, in the past or whatnot. And um, it's it kind of held true. I mean, you got you got some people you get that are um, very experienced, and you pretty much just have to show them a little bit of you know in and outs and all that good stuff. Kind of just finesse stuff, you know, really helps a lot of people. Otherwise, I mean, th- with the new guys and stuff, I mean, you get a lot of stuff that. I mean, you, you kind of expect, you know, your miss, missed fish, missed opportunities, uh, people getting scared by muskies coming up by the boat, which, I mean, sometimes still happens to the most experienced fishermen, but there's there's not really anything that I wasn't expecting to see. I will say one of, one of my favorite, one of my favorite memories from this year so far is I had a, had a young man in the boat. He was, he was an eight-year-old kid. Um, he had actually come out with me last year, him and his dad, and, uh, the kid lost like a mid forties on a sucker and he just, he couldn't, couldn't do anything with the fish and it ended up popping hooks. Well then this season he came out and, uh, he was, he was casting, he was, he actually had a, a bucktail on and he was like ripping it, you know, almost like you would, a a, a twitch bait. And I said, Hey, you know, you got to reel it. Well, he, he kept on, you know, doing the same thing. I said, you know what? I got a, got a bait for you. Um, so I actually gave him a, a little big game, six inch twitch bait and, uh, told him to cast it out there and do exactly what he was doing and he did that and it wasn't wasn't probably 10 minutes and he had about a 40 incher come up on that thing and instead of instead of doing his figure eight like we had practiced he pulls that thing right out of the water and jumps backwards he's like you expect me to catch that thing you know and he he was he was scared of it and uh, we we giggled about it and laughed and his dad's like well yeah that's what we're here for son you know but um 
that was that was something that was pretty pretty neat to see well we ended up coming back later on and we caught that fish um so the little guy got to got to actually reel it in and and hold it and it was it was a pretty fun experience so that you had that cool experience let's talk about best day on the water for the season what's it been so far like how many total what's the best day numbers wise the best day numbers wise um we had a seven fish in the net day um and we what we lost three other fish that day that we had hooks into that was a, a heck of a day and it was actually it came after my worst day of the season so that's kind of funny but the day before we were out and it was it was bluebird skies um nothing really going on moon wise flat calm we went nine hours on that trip it was a father and daughter and they did i mean nothing that they did wrong but uh we only raised one fish i mean it was a low slow follow jumped a couple different lakes i mean there was just nothing going on and then uh flip of a switch the very next day you know we put seven fish in the net i think the biggest one was like a like a 44 i mean it was a great day on the water uh good time i mean it was you couldn't do anything wrong that day they were they were just slamming baits but that one was a good one and then uh we just actually this was it three days ago four days ago we had a we had a six fish day the client actually he caught two fish back-to-back casts both of them in the figure eight um, just awesome clear water you could see everything the fish were just fired up we had a had a four fish window in 36 minutes so that was that was pretty pretty cool to be a part of that but it uh them are the days we live for right oh yeah for sure i mean you know we all we, the tough ones seem to come pretty often it's those really awesome exciting ones <laughs> that uh those are a little harder to come by i i've had some days this season that have been good mostly from action as far as like getting fish to bite but i haven't i don't think we've put more than two in the net but then again um my trips are probably shorter than yours i'm not on the water quite as often so you know you talked about that putting the pattern thing together how much easier that is to do when you're on the water every day and, and we talk about it all the time on the podcast time on the water is so big yeah absolutely it's 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 crazy even too you know being out there every single day and just a uh change in water temps or you know uh different weather patterns or even um not having steady weather i should say is the biggest one but just the effects that it has on the fish you know from a day-to-day basis and if you're if you're not on the water every day to be able to go and just figure that out you know it, it takes a little bit of time so it definitely definitely pays off being able to do it every day all right so let's talk about that we talked a little bit about your guiding you know the things your season guiding your first full-time season guiding like the last few weeks we've seen i would say some up and down weather and that looks like it's going to continue what have i mean how's fishing been the last couple weeks in the north woods where are you finding muskies and i guess what are you know what are some baits that people should be throwing the last the last couple weeks even though even though there hasn't been really a steady weather pattern um, the fish are holding pretty well right on the edge, you know, edge of the weeds and up shallow. We've been, we've been catching fish on big blades, slow rolling big blades has been a, been a hot one. And then, um, I, I do a lot of like the regular size rubber, um, whether it's a pro pro bulldog or like a mid dusa, um, them are very hot. Um, the uh, the shallow mag dogs actually are a, are a good one this time of year for me as well. Um, once those fish get up, you can you can let that thing hang and um, get right up in their face, but you're not ripping through weeds constantly like you would with a mag dog, with a, a normal mag dog. But 
and even uh, top water is still is still a thing. Uh, I mean, we got what like 60, 62 to sixty five degree water temps pretty much anywhere you go throughout the Northwoods right now. Um, these fish are still munching top water, even though we're getting into October here. So um, that's that's always a fun bite. That from the probably the first week of September all the way through. I mean, it's it's been a pretty steady thing with with top water, um, Suix, small rubber, bigger blades. That's that's kind of been the the program. All right, so pretty similar to the uh, program that I would say I run fairly often. Like if I'm out there solo, uh, I'm probably going to spend more time throwing, you know, rubber and I'm going to and and ten inch suics than I would be just about anything else. All right, so Taylor, we kind of talked about, you know, we, we've we've covered a little bit of the season, we've covered a little bit of things recently. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to see coming. It appears as though. We're going to get like the first, we'll call it fall cold front, I would say. It looks like we're going to, this episode, for anybody that cares, we're recording on Sunday night, October 1st. This episode will come out in a couple days. And it looks like at that point, we're going to be on the tail end of summer, basically. Because when we're looking at like 80 degree temperatures around here, up by you, I'm sure it's probably pretty close to that. And rising water temperatures and, you know, it's just a... I guess unexpected for this time of year, but it looks like for the weekend anglers are going to be seeing that, you know, 50 degree temperature. I think I saw overnight temperatures up by you at like, I don't know, the upper thirties. How much is that going to change, you know, your tactics? Are you still going to be trying to target these fish shallow? Are you going to have to move out a little bit deeper? Like, what are you, where are you going to be looking for muskies this coming weekend? with this warm spell we got here um i would still be working you know the edges of the weeds um most most of our fish have been on weeds lately instead of rocks or anything like that they are up shallow the bait is all actually right on the edge or in it um so those muskies are sitting there right right where they should be this time of year it's more so like the presentation is what i would be changing versus from the warm spell that we have here um i'm ripping ripping a rag dog pretty quickly, pretty aggressively. And then, you know, your, your bucktails, you're still burning them. But then as you get into this cold front coming up, um, I would say that those fish are probably going to push even shallower. Um, they're going to be right tight in it. And that's where, you know, your big blades or your uh, shallow mag dogs or, you know, something that you can keep, keep high above those weeds, um, bigger profiles, but still, keep them, you know, slow them down a little bit. Uh, your 10 inch, 12 inch suics, weighted suics, hang them in their face, tick them weeds. Uh, you're going to be in fish doing that. All right. And, you know, so as we continue to progress through, you know, we'll call it fall now, cause it's, I mean, technically it's been fall for a little while, but it feels more like summer than it does fall. As we progress through fall, at what water temperatures do you think you're looking to, are you pushing out to those to those breaks what time uh, what water temperatures are you going to be evacuating the uh the shallower weeds well usually usually you get your your turnovers starting you know right around like that 50 to mid 50s or something like that and a lot of it's determined by you know water size and whatnot you know how fast they do with the turnover and stuff but usually usually once you get you know into that you know mid 40s stuff like that that's that's when i would be pushing off and then you're hitting 
you know, your deeper breaks and um, off your rocks and steep, steep sides and steep shorelines. Um, any wood or cribs are great that time of year, you know, deep cribs, uh, anything deep around us, um, I would usually say is, you know, you're 12 to 20 foot of water. But yeah, that's, that's usually when I would start pushing back and then starting to work that kind of structure. All right, so you you talked about turnover, and that was something I wanted to talk about a little bit. What's your tactic during turnover aside from not fishing? My my advice to people is always if you're if you have availability to fish a river or uh, some of those shallower lakes may not turn over, you know things like that. If you have some moving water in the system, that definitely helps it. You know, what's your tactic during tor- turnover? Because we're, I mean, sadly that will be something that will become a thing here for musky anglers shortly. And it's always something that's talked about, like it's an absolute negative. But do you have any you know, tips or tricks that you could help to try to put muskies in the net if, uh, if you schedule a trip and, and you happen to be in turnover? I mean, the river systems are a big one. Uh, we have the Wisconsin River runs right through here. That's a, that's a great one to get on uh, during that time period. Um, but the glory of, you know, from this area is you do have a bunch of different varieties of you know water you have your shallow stained lakes and that those may not even turn over or it may not affect them you have you know the moans chain something like that that's a pretty much a river going through it it's always got moving water that one is one that doesn't really get affected quite as much as you know say a pelican lake or something like that but you can hop waters you can check stuff out usually if you get to the lake and um you got you know low to mid 50s and you know you kind of get a dinge color to it you just might as well go somewhere else it's not uh not really worth your time but there are lakes you know throughout the areas that you can find that uh will hit and usually it's uh you know they kind of they kind of follow the same patterns year to year based on you know which lake does turn over quicker than the other one or you know whatnot so kind of follow suit with that yeah, I've heard some people that go like during turnover, they'll go like ultra shallow, like one, two foot of water. Is that a tactic that you ever employ? Um, the the very shallow weeds, yes, um, they can. I mean, that's that's always going to hold fish, whether it's midsummer and everyone thinks the fish are way deep, or um, you know, off the breaks or whatnot, or if you're after turnover, those fish will be up in the shallows as long as there's bait up there for them they will be there um so yeah that's definitely a thing that that you could do and that's your your big glide baits or your suics are definitely uh, a bait that you can put put to use there all right so taylor one thing we talk about a lot is you know, like the health of fisheries and you know i've i was on a podcast and they asked me what i thought about you know the future of muskies and things like that like you know, based on you spending an entire season on the water, like what are you thinking about with northern Wisconsin? Is, is there a good diversity as far as small fish and large fish? Are there a lot of small fish, which would signal, you know, the future being pre- pretty bright? Like, what's your thoughts on northern Wisconsin? Are you, are you concerned for your guide business, or are you thinking, hey, this is this is great? We're going to continue to catch muskies well into the future. Actually, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of up and comers coming up through the systems. Um, they recently revamped the stocking, you know, and uh, you're seeing a lot of that, you know, mid thirties to, you know, 40 inch class fish and they're coming up and they are growing, you know, year. year. So it's definitely, there's a future there. Um, you are still seeing the natural reproduction take place as well. I mean, this, this area is definitely well known for its natural reproduction. Um, seeing a lot of tigers. I mean, that tells you right there that there's a, you know, always going to be a future here, but um, I am not, in the least bit concerned uh with the musky numbers 
for the most part. Uh, there's a lot of healthy lakes, um, healthy fisheries. Um, all the fish are, are nice and fat. You know, they're, they're looking good. There are definitely some lakes that are, you know, low density that have some really, really nice fish in them. And then there's also the lakes that uh, you're catching a lot of, you know, low 30s out of too. So you're always, you've always had that, but no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned at all with, with the population up here. That's one thing that is, is definitely actually getting better with, with the stocking as of late. And you do have a lot of people that are getting educated on catch and release and how to handle these fish and uh, proper tools and having a big net. And I mean, it's, it's all part of the program, but um, seems like, seems like there's a lot less fish that are getting the billy club. So that's, that's going to help too. Yeah, absolutely. Are there as many anglers on the water up there? Like, cause you know, you got to experience it all this summer. You got to be on the water during, you know, summertime when there'd be a lot of vacations. Now you're getting to be there in the fall. You know, what would you say angler pressure is up in that area? Is it pretty high or is it not so bad? Uh, it's it's actually pretty high. I think I think uh, there is a, a probably record number of people that are taking up our sport of muskie fishing, which, I mean, it is, it is good for the sport, but you definitely have a little bit more competition out there. And, uh, I mean, everybody's got, you know, the the technology and the lake maps and they're all able to fish these spots that you know were secrets for however many years well there's nothing that's really a secret anymore so a lot of people are fishing you know you're getting high pressured spots but uh the glory about northern wisconsin is that there are so many different lakes that i do believe even though there is a lot of pressure up here um it does get spread out you know throughout the throughout the bodies of water so it's not ever um, where like you go to a lake and you just, you can't fish cause there's so many, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of people on the water. Definitely the recreation has slowed way down. That's one that midsummer, I mean, it can be, can be pretty hard to get away from that, but, uh, now you don't see much of that and it's all, all fishermen out there. So. Yeah, I know on one of my trips up, it was, um, I don't know, I want to say it was like a Wednesday and it was a, it was a warm Wednesday, but. And there was a ton of boats on the water. I was just amazed how how many people were there for a Wednesday in September. It was it was quite eye opening. Then I returned last week, and I think it was a Thursday, and it was there was not very many people. Now it wasn't a, as nice of a day. I actually thought it would be a very musky like day. And from what I understand, I made the wrong lake call versus the lake that you were on because you were like, "Hey, I'm off the water already. I got six today," and I was like, "Wow, I didn't even see one." <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was the lake or the fisherman, Jeff. I mean, it, it, it could be both, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is that, right? We, we, you know, yeah. Nothing to say that I'm, uh, I'm the the greatest musky angler ever. But I will say, like, as I've gotten out in the water this year, it's yeah, my my uh, hope for northern Wisconsin is actually not. It's not very bad because I like I've. I mean, I would say my like fish per hours is probably lower than it's ever been in in a long while i think when i was on the water a lot but way way back in the day before my electrical business took off and i didn't even have this business at all i was on the water fairly often uh two three days a week and like you said i mean you you notice it being out there every day but when even if it's when you're out there two three days a week it changes up how many you know how much easier it is to pattern muskies it's it's great if you can swing and unfortunately most of us have bills to pay yeah, that's that's for sure. To go back to kind of what you were saying, you know, where we had a great day, you got blanked. 
Um, there are there are certain lakes that fire up at certain times, and I mean, if you are out there all the time, you can find those lakes. They had the the Hode Classic tournament here, like whatever the twenty third, twenty fourth, whatever it was. But there was one lake that just absolutely went off during that tournament. I think there was only five boats on that body of water, and uh, they every single team there was popping fish. Where other other teams on other other bodies of water were really struggling. So that goes to show you that certain lakes at certain times can definitely, you know, be to your advantage. So basically what you're saying is I should have looked at that information and I should have made a more educated decision on my lake choice. Yeah, I would say so. That, that, that lake that you were on, I don't, I don't normally mess with that one at this time of year. <laughs> that information would have been useful <laughs> five days ago. Should have asked. Yeah. <laughs> I when you know when I come up, I don't really like to ask you like what lakes that you. I mean, I'll say, hey, how's fishing going? Whatever, but I don't want to be like, hey, what lake are what lake are you on, and which one should I be fishing? Because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Well, just just ask which lake should I not go on. All right, maybe that's what I'll have to do next time. I'll have to attack it a little bit differently. Because yeah, it was, you know, the one th- one thing about it though is I did get some conflicting reports because the lake that I was on, I have heard from other another source up there. You know my other source and. He was telling yeah. me that it wasn't that bad, so, and I was like, "Well, I know it really well, so I mean, there's a chance that I should actually be able to catch a muskie, but no, no dice." Yeah, yeah, I I steer as far away from that one as I can usually. Well, I mean, let's just say, so you obviously had some tournament information to make there, like, you know, aside from being on the water all the time, like, what else do you use that would help you? You know, I, I guess make lake choices because that's one thing I'm sure that I've talked about on the podcast a lot is you know, trying to determine which lake you should be on in northern Wisconsin can be a daunting task. Yeah, well, a lot of times, I mean, I've been up here my entire life, so a lot of it is just, you know, past past memories and success that I've had, you know, prior to that. But definitely you're going to want to look at um, your water temps. Uh, you're going to look at your water clarities. Um, some of the lakes, they get like a like a green tint to them. Um, usually those lakes when, right when they first start getting that here in the fall and stuff is, is good for them. I mean, the clear bodies of water, they get a little dinge to them and, um, that can, that can really help out. Otherwise you can't really ever go wrong with anything. That's anything that's got a little bit of current in it. Um, you can use that to your advantage as well, but most of the time it's for me, it's, it's the weather conditions. Um, if I'm chasing a, a big fish or if I just want numbers of fish or, what the what the bait is doing at that time i like this this warm spell here um a lot of times that's going to push those bait that bait a little bit off the structure um then you're going to want to pick a lake that kind of coincides with that where uh, you do have the deeper breaks off the weed edges and stuff like that versus fishing something that you know is is kind of like a a shallow weedy kind of lake you know where you can't really pinpoint just kind of using that stuff to your advantage would be a, a start yeah, I mean, it's definitely good information because, like I said, I've talked about it. And when, and when Van Immortal's on, I, I talk to him about it a lot because, like, he'll bounce around a lot during the course of a day. I mean, it's pretty rare if you fish with him that you're going to be on the same lake for the entire day. Is that kind of how your your guiding is working, or, or, or are you kind of sticking to one? And you're like, you got, you got a good feeling about a certain lake, and you're hoping it's going to fire during the course of the time that you're out there, or are you kind of bouncing around to try to maximize a, a bite window on a different area if it's not working? That's, I definitely jump lakes. I mean, that, like, I mean, we mentioned it before, but that's the beauty of up here is you can hop around and kind of find a bite. Usually the smaller lakes, you know, you'll go and hit them and you'll hit your, you know, top three spots. 
and then uh, field jump, obviously you kind of do it off the moon windows and such, but jump around and till you, till you find something that's, that's going. Generally it's a, it, you know, a trust your gut kind of thing. Um, sometimes you choose wrong and, and, you know, you look like you don't know what you're doing, but other times you, you choose right and you end up popping a fish. That's, I mean, just the other day we, we fished a lake and we were seeing a bunch of fish on side imaging. We had two ghost follows that you could see, you know, up, up on the side imaging and uh, never seen the fish. So obviously it's, you know, a lower, I mean, low and slow kind of thing. And the day was just incredible. It was overcast. We had a moon going on, just we're not seeing fish, you know, actually active. So at that point, even though we were on fish and we knew they were in the area, um, we said the heck with it, jump water, and we ended up popping one then. So, I mean, that's that's kind of thing that um, don't be scared to, to jump around and, and find something new. I mean, if it, if it works out, then there you go. But sometimes it sometimes it doesn't and you just you can't get discouraged, you know, but you got to got to keep keep trying, keep trying to get on fish. And I mean, I guess it kind of plays itself out, but. Usually, I mean, a lot of times if I have a, if I have a full day, you know, a 10 hour trip or whatnot, there are days that I've hit, you know, three, four different lakes in a, in a stretch of that day. Um, if the, if the fish are really firing or if we're seeing a lot of active fish, uh, we're going to stay, but, uh, otherwise most of these lakes are, you know, three to 700 acre lakes. Um, you got to select a few spots that you know that there's a fish there for sure. Uh, you hit those. If you're not seeing fish, just move on. Uh, that's usually the, the best strategy there. So, so Taylor, we've been uh, ending episodes talking about five questions. Now I got to come up with five. I, I do have a few for you and I'm going to make one of them. I'm going to make you choose on one. I know you like both. Okay. So here, let's start this off. Let's go with, if I'm going to, if you can only throw one, be a medusa or a bulldog which one are you gonna throw you know that's that's a tough one i mean obviously everything there's a there's a different bait for every scenario but um if i could pick one bait out of the two to have i would probably take uh, a regular bulldog i can i can snap that thing really quickly through weeds um but also uh, on steep breaks and stuff i can get that bait down a little bit quicker I, I just for for some reason that that bulldog with the single tail might be the secret. I don't know, but um, I can get that bulldog to hop and kind of side to side at the same time, and it just drives him wild. I do love both, but if I could pick one, it would be a be a bulldog. Yeah, I knew that it would be a difficult question for you to answer because in our our conversations and text messages back and forth this summer, it's definitely I, I've I've learned that you're in favor of using both. Like you'll have both in the boat you'll have both in the course of a day but since i had to make you choose one uh, uh, that's where i had to go i had to go to a bulldog I had, to, I had to make you choose a bulldog but i know that like i said that's not real life right real life you can use either one of them right absolutely and some days it does it, it's weird i mean there's no bulldogs and there's no medusas swimming around down there so um it's it's very weird but some days you know it seems like the muskies do prefer one to the other so I mean, take that for what you want, but it's, it's very, very weird. I mean, you could, you could be running both in a boat and one's getting bit. It's just that particular day that that's what they prefer. But yeah, I had it. Uh, let's see here. One of, I'm guessing it was two weeks back. You know, my daughter was running a Medusa. My son was running a bulldog. He's in the front of the boat. I'm screwing around with blades in the middle or whatever in the middle, just to see if I can get whatever going on. And my daughter gets hit twice on a Medusa. So, I mean, in theory, 
you know, whether or not my son hits the exact same cast or not, they, you know, we'll never know. But in theory, since he was the first bait through, he should have had a better chance on his dog, and he was getting hit on a Medusa. Right. Yeah, it's 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 strange. And then, I mean, the very next day, that, that dog could get ripped, and it, you know, makes you wonder what uh, what's going on in their head. We don't always know that. but Absolutely. So I know that you like suix a lot it's a bait that you like to use as well are you going to typically are you going to choose the nine inch version or are you going to be going with a 10 inch version that's that's all time of year this time of year i would be you know you get into later you know from like mid-september you know into october and stuff i'm throwing a 10 or a 12 inch um but for most of the season i'm throwing a nine inch and i actually prefer the the unweighted you know during the early part of the season i rip it over you know the shallow weeds and it's got a you know a faster snap to it um but you can really get it to turn sideways ripping a little quicker and get a lot of strikes that way but as the as the season goes on then i do switch into the weighted and you know usually the 10 the 10 is uh is a good one for that but uh actually our biggest fish this year came on a 10 inch suic i mean they, they love them all right, then let me <laughs> let me ask you a, a related question, not part of my five questions. Do you ever use the plastic ones? Do you ever use the highs? I don't. Uh, I I like the wood ones. Just just the action of them. I, I'm sure that the the high impact that they catch a lot of fish for people, uh, especially probably this time of year. They just don't really have like the wobble that I think the wood ones can get if they're tuned right. Just a preference. I, I do like the like the wood ones over the high impact which is fair enough like i i feel the same way i'm always about the wood ones and like i'll throw a, a high for a little while and i'll be like nope no confidence in this gotta go back to the wood even though it may look similar or whatever i've never gotten one eaten so i'm i'm switching out pretty quickly yeah exactly it's it's what you have confidence in and i mean the wood one's been around for how long and people have been sticking fish on them but that's kind of whatever you start with is what you stick with that's kind of the name of the game but i have thrown the high impact and i haven't had the success on them that i have on the wood and whether that's just you know the coincidence of it or not but um for me it's definitely all wood all right then let's go with uh, an electronics question we've asked this question before to many guides if you're looking if you could only choose one you're going to go with mapping side imaging or live imaging and I'm and by live live image. I mean like live scope or you know mega three sixty or any of that kind of stuff. Definitely side imaging for me. It, it changed the game when you can you can parallel you know a rock a rock hump or you know a weed line. You can stay right on it. Um, to me, that's that's an absolute game changer. The mapping. I mean that's a big one too with you know the auto chart and stuff. But those two put together is just. I mean unbelievable what you can do with that but uh i don't i don't run live scope myself uh, i know a lot of guys do and it's a useful tool for them but it's not not really for me um definitely the live the side imaging is is something that I, I i never have a screen that's not on side to be able to see what's going on and i can see bait fish i can see actual muskies you can see the weed line you can i mean when you really get to you know, using it a lot, you can tell, you know, cabbage weeds from grass and coontail and the whole works. So it's, uh, it's definitely a very useful tool in that way. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we've asked that question to a good many, or a good amount of guides this summer. 
and not one of them has talked or has chosen, you know, forward-facing sonar, live imaging, whatever you want to call it. None of them have chosen that. And, and so I guess it just still goes to, you know, believe or leads me to believe that, you know, anglers still need to make sure that they're utilizing their mapping and their side imaging to the full effect because that the the guys that are on the water, the anglers that are on the water every single day doing this, they're not choosing live imaging or, you know, or live scope or whatever. So, you know, and, and I talked about it many times. I still feel like even me, I don't, I'm not that great at running my live scope or not my live scope, my, um, my side imaging. And we all need to get better at that because yeah, I just feel like we're many of us, you know, myself included, can't properly run their side imaging the way they should to maximize that technology before they go to jump to the next technology. Right. There's, there's definitely a learning curve there. Um, when that stuff first came out, I mean, I, I spent hours and hours on the water, you know, in familiar places that, um, I had already known what was there and was just, you know, constantly looking at me. I didn't even have a fishing rod, uh, just going out and trying to learn this stuff and, you know, how to use the different technology that was out there for you. But, um, once you, once you dial it in, man, it's, it's awesome. As far as, you know, actually efficiency, um, while you're fishing and being able to put your casts where you need to be, um, instead of going in and off the structure or falling off too much or, you know, whatever, it's it's unbelievable how how helpful it actually is while you're out there. All right, let's talk about moons. We can't have five questions without talking moons. Are you a new moon guy or are you a full moon guy? Well, I don't know. I, I've I've caught some caught some nice fish on both. I don't know. I I would say honestly, um, I've probably probably caught my biggest fish and most fish on a full moon. But I mean, they're both, they're both absolutely great, great times to be on the water. The full moon is nice if you want to do any kind of night fishing. I mean, you get out there and you got it lit up a little bit, but I, I would say if I was going to pick one, it would be, a, you know, for a destination trip or something, I would definitely get in there on the full moon. All right. Last question. You can only pick one rod to use. What's the rod going to be? Obviously this is a, a a difficult question right we we typically have five four three whatever rods in our boat we have different sizes and different reels set up for different applications but i'm going to make you choose one that you use the most and what's that yeah it's it's easier to change rods than it is to change lures all the time so that's that's the thing but if i was to pick one I mean, that you could do literally everything with from, you know, your small glide baits and twitch baits to, you know, your biggest rubber. It's definitely um, the Chaos, the 2020, um, their Moab in a nine foot. That thing is just a heck of a stick. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, usually I am throwing that one, um, ripping, ripping rubber. I mean, most of the time, um, it's got a, got a really good backbone, got a good feel to it. That's a, that's a very good rod. Uh, the shock and awe, I mean, that's, that's a, a good all around rod as well. But, um, once you get into the, the really big size rubber and stuff, you, you're really, you know, putting some stress on that thing versus that Moab really, really handles it well. Yes, I would agree. That is a very nice rod. It works for many applications. I don't typically use it for much other than rubber, but it works great. I mean, it'll, it'll work great for a lot of things, throwing big blades, throwing rubber, throwing really big rubber. It does that really well. It's a, it's a really nice rod. I've 
I've enjoyed it quite a bit since I picked one up last year. I've employed a bunch of other rods too this year. I've been using a lot of the St. Croix stuff too, but it's definitely one, it would be a, a top contender for one that I would say that you'd need to consider for sure. Definitely a great rod. Taylor, if my math is correct, I believe that's the end of five questions. So I want to ask you one more time for people that are looking to get in touch with you. And are you still going to try to book trips yet this year for anybody if they want to get out? How do they go about doing that? Uh, the cell phone is 715-490-5088. You can call or text. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Muskie Guarantee Guide Service. Um, you can shoot me a message on the messenger on that. Um, and I, I, as of right now, am not taking any more clients. I'm filled up. Um, but I will be here shortly at the end of the month uh, booking for next year, uh, looking to get uh, a full schedule for that year. So, um yeah, that's that's what I got. All right. Well, Taylor, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk musky fishing with me. I know it was kind of short notice, but I, I realized that my schedule was going to uh, get a little bit crazy, so I couldn't exactly make a, a Monday recording work, and I had to kind of make this work without Brad this week. Uh, so I want to thank you for bailing me out, and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in for another episode, and we will We will be back with another one again next week, Wednesday. Until then, good luck fishing.